Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. On this week's podcast, Lee Travis joins us from Bellevue, Washington, where he is owner of y Pliance, one of the nation's top custom integration companies. Since 2006, y Pliance has been creating easy-to-use and enjoyable smart spaces in Washington, Arizona, and surrounding areas. This past July, the company acquired Huppins, a 114-year-old family-owned residential and commercial technology solutions provider covering eastern Washington and north Idaho. Lee and I have crossed paths many times over the years, and I probably quote him on industry trends in just about every other issue of the magazine. So as I saw the news about his company's acquisition, I knew it was finally time to have him on the podcast to talk about his company, his career path, and to share the story of his recent corporate expansion. Lee Travis, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. I bet you're having the time of your life and maybe a little stressed. Uh, it, ex- exciting news there. It's barely a month old, but are you settling into any kind of groove yet or is it still pretty crazy? Uh, I would say we're still in that crazy phase. You have all that work that leads up to an acquisition for for months and then you have months of kind of integration after that. So I think, you know, by the time summer's over, hopefully, you know, things will be settled in. Uh, but But it's exciting. Yeah, for sure. And I want to dive into more of the details on the uh, motivation behind the acquisition and the nuts and bolts of how you got it done. Um, but uh, I I kind of want to take this one as a more linear conversation of your career path so that people know who you are and how you got to that point in time that we're in right now. Um, so to go really basic, like, did you grow up in uh, Washington in that Bellevue area or where are you from originally? Yeah, and I agree with that because it's it's people go through that process where all of a sudden instantly you have success and they don't realize you've kind of been through all this. They don't realize all the paddling that led up to hitting the waves. So yeah, it's uh, yeah. I grew up in Kent, Washington, and okay. so I was born in Utah on a military base. But from six months old and beyond, I've been in Washington. Okay, and and so uh, I, I asked this question to most of my guests who are integrators pr- primarily. Some of manufacturer guests as well, but earliest interest in tech. Sometimes it's through a music direction. Sometimes it's really taking things apart and and it ends up into like the AV space or maybe it's car audio. So what about you? Where, what was your earliest interest in, in tech? So it started out in car audio, which came from high school. I was really interested in cars and fixing them up and the mechanics of it all. Um, and then I ended up taking an electronics class with, you know, circuit board soldering and all this kind of stuff. Uh, we had this great voc, uh, voc tech path in our high school. And, um, and I really enjoyed the cars and I really enjoyed listening to music. And so that was kind of, you know, when, when the size of engines and cars, muscle cars was going down to imports due to gas prices. And uh, so instead of big engines, it was big sound systems. And so I began to kind of learn and do that for buddies and friends on the side. And then I started my first company at 18 years old and, and went to my first uh, CES shortly thereafter, which kind of ruined me after that. He <laughs> saw everything that was possible at that point, huh? Yes, both in electronics and outside. Okay, yeah. And Vegas is an eighteen-year-old as an eye opener. That I I hadn't even thought about that part for sure. Yes, that <laughs> could have been really good and bad influence on you there. Yeah. Um, so did you um, 
did you stay with car audio for quite a while then or how, when, when did you sort of get into broader uh, tech integration Stayed in car audio until 94, and that was uh, is the beginning of the DVD player and surround sound and theaters and projectors came out. At the same time, you know, we had done really well in the cell phone business, but that was changing and cell phones had worked their way down to free with subscription. And the OEM manufacturers of car audio were, were now getting better. And so that was eroding into that. And there was a, there was a recession there at, at 93, 94, which was my first taste of recession. Hmm. And so uh, at that point, uh, you know, sold off that business and got into, uh, started to learn my way around the home business. And I was really passionate about the audio video side, but I learned that builders wanted us to do, you know, it wasn't network wiring back then, but it was, it was phone and, and coax and they wanted us to do security and all these other things that I wasn't familiar with. So mm. um, went to work for another company for a bit to kind of learn that the industry and then, uh, and then got going with my first company in this space uh, in the late 90s. Yeah, so I see that 99 was when you founded um, your, your custom integration company, Home Technologies. It was very precisely named, Home Technologies. That's, uh, that's one of those ones that uh, kind of <laughs> is so broad, you know, it might work. But uh, you, well, it, seemed, it seemed specific at the time. And now, so many years later, it seems like such a generic name. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you 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 corrected that with your current company name. That's very yes. unique. Um, yes. But so ninety nine to two thousand and six, and if I uh, remembering my timeline, two thousand and six has a has a reason for being there. That's kind of a, a rough patch as well, isn't it? Yeah. Well, so through home technologies, we we ended up acquiring a couple companies and expanding into Oregon and Montana. That was my first experience with raising capital and having investors. And so as we grew that company, um, you know, felt the first growing pains of multi-location and people with different interests and really mm. learned some big lessons about culture and how important culture is. And that sometimes when you merge these different pieces together, if everybody isn't of the same mind and same culture, you have, you know, kind of this infighting and things that can happen. So, and these are things I've, I've read about and studied about over the years, but but those are real, real growing pains that companies have when you do acquisitions versus organic growth. So now that I've done a little bit of both, it's, uh, you know, there, there's pros and cons, like in everything in life, there's pros and cons to doing it both ways. Now, did you sell off that company or did it go, um, did you have a, a bankruptcy issue because of the economy shift and all that back then? Or No, <clears throat> when I went through a divorce, which diminished my my shares down to about 27.5%, which we did not leave me in control. And, and myself and the board had different ideas about they wanted to kind of grow at all costs. And, and, and I felt like, you know, we were growing too quickly and the wheels were starting to come off the bus. So, um, I, and I'd saved the name Y Appliance from years earlier. I just thought at some point in the future, more of this will be wireless and less wired. So the term wireless, you know, wireless and appliance together is where that came from. So I'd, I'd registered the domain and the name and just saved it for a future business concept that I originally thought would just be 100% wireless. But then when I left home technologies in 06, I did that right before CDS, so September 6, 06. And that way I could go to CD as a free agent and figure out what did I, you know, did I want to be in the media like you? Did I want to be a, you know, factory rep? Did I want to work for a manufacturer? Did I want to do something different altogether? And when I went to CDA 06, I realized I still love this stuff. I'm still excited about this stuff. And so I came back and launched Y Appliance September 1806, right the day after I got back from Cedia. 
And that was that was the beginning. And I choose to use the name Y Appliance because I'd seen so many, you know, we, we were one of the first Sonos dealers in Seattle at Home Technologies. And so we'd seen products like that coming and we'd seen some of Lutron's Radio Raw products. And it just felt like, it felt like maybe that's where the niche was going to be is, is really just in the wireless stuff. But obviously as the company has built out, you know, we, we do the same wire and infrastructure today that we did years ago with the addition of now it's networks and now it's fiber and now it's, you know, a lot of other stuff. But, but, you know, like the old days, we're still trying to put as much on connected wire as we can and depend, you know, and, and use wireless where it's needed. Well, already you sort of sounded like the way you described home technologies, that it was much more than a traditional mom and pop type of um, integration company. You had a board, which is one thing that's pretty unique sounding from the folks that I've talked to over the years. Um, and so you're already thinking bigger. Um, and But when you start Y Appliance kind of from scratch there, do you, do you inherit some of your um, previous clients just because they want to work with you personally in the local level at least? Um, or are you really starting just from nothing at that point? The answer is yes to both. So what, what happens in a situation like that is that um, even though I'd created this largest company in the Northwest, um, you know, no different than any other CI company, when someone leaves, the vendor has to choose whether to open up, you know, John Doe at a new location. And so, you know, at, but then at the, at the risk of upsetting the big fish in the market that they came from. And so there's politics involved in all that. And there were legal entanglings between the previous company and I, and I didn't have a non-compete, non-solicit, um, but I had deferred a bunch of wages. And so we tried to negotiate all that out. And in the end, uh, in the end, it was only attorneys that won, but, but I, I didn't have any restrictions after that. And so, um, yes, yeah, so, you know, so, some clients obviously followed along and, and that was where I first cut our teeth on high rise MDUs with, um, uh, with Lincoln Tower, which was the first real MDU in the Seattle market, and uh, in the beginning of all of eight, and so that that's kind of where we learned some of that 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 MDU piece. But anyway, after getting through the the, the legal aspects of it, um, a bunch of my previous employees from the earliest beginnings wanted to come and still work for me, and so but you know you have to build a company large enough for them to come work for you. So, uh, and that's why today, even though Y Plants has only been around for sixteen years. I have employees with a tenure of 19, 20, 21 years. I've got a lot of people that have been with me for a long time. So, and that's, that's the culture part of it. That's, that's how you keep great people is you, you treat them well, you, you pay them well, and you, you make sure that they have opportunities to, to where they want to go, not just where you want them to go. Right. That's nice. So your um, early successes then, uh, it sounds like the, the MDU kind of helps you out. Do you get yourself in over your head? Uh, in that first one, though, that you did, because uh, it's it's a bit, it's a lot bigger scale than your typical, you know, single family home. Um, how do you get into an MDU project for the first time and not just get buried by it? A lot of uh, we see a lot of companies do that. They take on something that large, or you could say like a hundred home development could yeah. be the same as an MDU. It's just spread out horizontally versus versus vertically. So instead of a few hundred condos, you might have a hundred or 200 or 300 homes in development. You don't have much of that in Seattle because we're kind of trapped between mountains and water and everything else. There just isn't enough land mass close in for developments of that size. 
but you, I mean, you definitely learn a lot of lessons at the, at the time, you know, I was still with home technology. So we had a larger company, larger staff, people from other offices that could help out. Um, and we were able to execute and get that project completed, you know, prior to my, prior to my departing after that. Okay. Okay. I didn't realize that was still, um, home technologies on, on that one, that first one. So, um, it, did you then make that, I know you had a, a project that, I personally was able to judge with the Lutron Excellence Awards last year that uh, when I saw it on your website, thought, oh, yeah, that, that's familiar. I've seen that video um, with all these this curved window block where you had all these Lutron shades. And I believe you had there were what 3,700 shades was what the quote was on that uh, clip. And so you're doing a massive um, project there. Does, does MDU become a big part of your company's portfolio or is it kind of just hit or miss as they come along? Well, I think if we go back in time to continue that, that timeline, what, you know, when I then set out on my own, I was literally, you know, working out of a, a rental house, you know, for a few months. And then we got into a little teeny tiny, you know, thousand square foot office. And so people, you know, like jump right to today to us doing these really big projects, but you have all these growing pains that have to happen, you know, leading up to that. So, and as, as you'll remember, we went into that recession, you know, 08 through, you know, depending on what market people are in, you know, it might have lasted until 10 or 11 or, you know, to, to finish that out. And so we started doing some MDUs in uh, a Scala, the 50 Shades of Grey project. That was our first MDU post, uh, you know, in, in Y Pliance. Hmm. And that was, uh, luckily for us, that wasn't to contract every single unit and do the entire building that was more optioned by each, you know, because, because we were in the recession, the building wasn't going to put shades in every condo and lighting control and, and audio video. It was all, you know, we're selling the condos discounted as is, and then people can put in whatever they want. So, Mm. um, but we did roll the dice and that's that entrepreneurialism where we invested in originally, we were supposed to do two of eight models in a Scala, but because the recession and there was going to be multiple preferred vendors in that building, not just us. And for us being a smaller company, that was okay because you don't want to kind of risk the farm to do it. But in the end, the other three companies that were each doing two condos backed out. And so it was up to us. Did we want to furnish and fund out of our pocket eight model condo units as a small company? And I pushed all the chips in and we furnished all eight of those and ended up doing the majority of the 269 condos in Escala. So that ended up being several million dollars of revenue during the recession over, you know, over five years, it wasn't as people, you know, the condos were slow to sell. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's, you know, so we've been through these recessions or I have in 93, 94, the com at 2000, the 2008 to 2010. And, you know, I've been telling our team, Hey, prepare for this recession that's coming up. And mm-hmm. then COVID came up and kind of tricked everybody and the stock market dropped. And then, but then all of a sudden money started being printed and, and, you know, then everything was on a boom run for a while. Now we're feeling that cooling mm-hmm. part of the recession now. Right. Um, so anyway, that to go back, that was our first big. And then after that, we've tackled uh, Nexus, downtown Seattle as another condo high rise and inspire the one that you're referring to after that. And I think you saw the before videos of the sales center and all that stuff that we'd done. I'm not sure if you'd seen the, the after the after video. I saw the uh, I saw a lot of window shades going up and or down uh, on 
a lot of windows. <laughs> okay. what I can remember. You might have seen the after video as well, but there's the, there's the two yeah. of them, which is, is interesting to talk about kind of before. And, and each time we do a building or a development, we, we learn from it and figure out kind of how to do it better the next time. But that is a massive undertaking. For Spire, we ended up building out a complete uh, shading division, um, mm-hmm. headed up by our first female technician, which was very exciting. Oh, wow. And so now we have a second. So that's kind of a breakthrough in our industry, which is, yeah. you know, 98.7% male. Right. So, so if there's any female technicians or potential female technicians listening, give us a call for sure. We just, it's, uh, we got some good great. role models there to follow. It's just, yeah. it's great to add to the team. You know, we, we yeah. have, the, we've had that for years on the, you know, the admin and the sales side, but not on the technical side. So it's just great to see. Yeah. That, that's, uh, that's a category too with the shading that has um, maybe more appeal to uh, someone who isn't just a tech head guy <laughs> who wants to do a little bit more. There's there's an aesthetic element to it. There's a uh, there are different fabric you know types and different things that uh, you you might need to have a good eye for it. So that that's really uh, a great blend of creativity, uh, visual, and and technical ability. So good fit there. It, it's been it's been fun and it's. Um, it, you know, as you can imagine on that few year process from concept to contract to, you know, all the phases, I mean, you know, we were literally doing a floor a week. Um, and this is where having multiple offices helped out because we had some of our great crews in Arizona come up and help out when it's a little slower down there because of summertime, a lot of our clients are not there in the summertime. So we were able mm-hmm. to bring some people up to kind of help with those peak labor windows to use a window pun there. <laughs> um, <laughs> But it was uh, it, it quite quite stressful going through that. So that's not that's not for the faint of heart to take on a project of that size. And to your point earlier, a business that isn't either prepared or set up to handle something like that, it could it could it could crush the business. And so you you mentioned multiple locations about uh, when you're talking about your prior company, Home Technologies. Now with Y Pliants, uh, as I said in the intro, you have an Arizona presence, and you just mentioned that. Is that a product of Seattle folks having warm uh, or cold season homes in Arizona. How's that occur that you have an Arizona location? So I fell in love with Arizona when I used to go down there for the car audio nationals, which were always held in the wintertime down there. There was a lot of car audio manufacturers in Arizona and because of the dependable weather, it made it easy. And so we'd bring a bunch of cars here from the Northwest to compete and Lucio Proni of, you know, JL who ended up, creating, you know, jail audio and all the home, they'd bring cars from Florida and we'd compete with them and people from all over the U S. And I realized that in the wintertime, the weather was fantastic in Arizona. And so I'd sit at that point someday, somehow I'll have an office and a home down here. And it took me a lot longer to get there um, than I had anticipated. But yeah, six years ago, we launched an office down there because we'd go down there and do a project for a client or mm. a project for another client. Because if you're in Seattle and you have a second home, it's either going to be sunshine or snow and if it's sunshine, it's probably Scottsdale or Palm Springs, unless you have a business or other reason to be in Southern Cal, um, because you know Hawaii and and Florida are six hour flights, whereas these other two are you know two hour to two hour and thirty minute flights. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's just a matter of kind of turning you know a couple sparks into a flame, and um, that's the first organic launch market launch that I've done, and so it has its own unique set of challenges because you're growing from nothing in a market where you haven't had a presence. So it's, you know, that has its challenges as does acquiring another company and integrating them into the, 
you know, there's just a different set of challenges. Well, we will continue our conversation with Lee Travis after the break. Do you want superior smart home automation at a great value? Shelly Wi-Fi relays by Alterco Robotics cover DC to line voltage, allowing you to control lights, outlets, appliances, garage doors, pumps, and much more. There are Shelly sensors and power measurement devices to help you measure temperature, humidity, lux, or motion, and electrical consumption from single wire to three phase with neutral. You can use Shelly with a licensed driver for Control 4, Elon, or other premium systems, as well as your customer's existing hub, voice assistant, or any platform that accepts REST, MQTT, or CoAP. Shelly can make IoT very easy. Available now at Blackwire, City Electric Supply, and Worthington, or at ShellyUSA.com. Welcome back. We're talking with Lee Travis, owner of Y Plants in Bellevue, Washington. And we were just, uh, you're kind of touching on the idea of expansion and we're going to get into that acquisition um, story here in a bit. But first, you also have an uh, an electrical co- operation that you own that started a couple of years after Y Plants was launched. So was that as much, what I figure would be certain electrical rules where you need to work with an electrician on lighting control and that sort of thing that you would decide to either acquire or start your own then and have licensed electricians as well as low voltage? Yeah. So when we built out home technologies, we had acquired an electrical contracting company as part of that. So had familiarity with with electrical. And as Y Appliance got going, especially with us trying to do as many, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of new construction going on during the recession. And so our, our greatest opportunity or lowest hanging fruit was existing homes. Because as we, as we look at the market, you know, most people that are in the CI space that go to CDA and such are probably dealing with the top one to 5% of clientele and new construction typically over the years accounts for 5% of the entire housing market. So if you're doing the top percentage of that, you might be talking about 1% you know, market is your potential clientele. Mm-hmm. In the retrofit, which is where I felt the greatest opportunity was for Y appliance and wireless systems, um, you've now opened yourself up to the other 95% of the market. And, and you'd still be working in the top end of that, but you also don't have to wait for a six-month, 12-month, 18, 24-month build cycle. You can get the product, go install the product, and, and you're out. And so from a business model Projects like that can offset these really big long-term projects from a you know cash flow from a profit standpoint. So when we would go in to do these projects, we would go and do do a wireless you know Lutron Homeworks lighting control system, and we'd be waiting on the electrician. And so we'd dial it into a couple of days, and the electrician would blow us off and wouldn't be able to get there for another week. And so we wouldn't be able to complete the project on time. And so that's just when we figured it'd be nice to have our own in-house electrical. I created it as a separate LLC in 08 called Obot Electric, which stands for on budget on time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that's been a, you know, a great, a great business for us, both for to handling Y appliance work and stuff outside there. So now sometimes the leads come from our electrical business and sometimes they come from Y appliance to our electrical business. That's great. Great, great idea. Um, did you acquire them uh, already? Uh, was it someone's like a one man band electrician or did you just literally like say we're starting this company and 
we need to hire a licensed electrician as our first employee or how does that one go about that process? We did that, but these are guys that had, uh, had worked for me over at home technologies before in the electrical company that we'd acquired. So I knew these guys, one of these guys goes back with us forever and ever and ever. I used to work with him before I even started home technologies, um, when I was learning the ropes in this industry. So, um, just some great long-term people in that case. Yeah, for sure. Now let's talk about Huppins. This is a a really old brand and it's obviously not an old custom integration brand. It's a, it's it's nothing in our industry is older than like 40 years. So 114, I think it was what the, the the, uh, age was, what was 1908, 1908, what was Huppins backstory and why, how did a couple of quick questions, what was their backstory and how did you uh, become acquainted with them? So the backstory is that they were a tailor shop starting out in 1908 okay. uh, with a retail storefront, and they got into electronics in the 1950s. Um, and then, you know, the business grew to basically be the largest, you know, AV retailer on that side of the, you know, on the east side of the mountains over the Cascades here and eastern Washington area. And then uh, they built a, a, a online business. Well, before it was online, it was a mail order business. So remember ads in the papers and you'd, you know, you'd, you'd call in and, and order products. So it started as a mail call, uh, mail order business called one call. So you could basically make one call to order all your electronics. And that grew into a uh, very large online retailer. Eventually they moved their structure over to, to use Amazon's infrastructure and a very, very successful business. Um, which, which, you know, Murray still has separated from the, uh, the business that we acquired, which is the retail and CI business portion. And, um, which is still a, you know, by itself, the largest AV integration company from Bellevue to Bozeman, Montana. So, you know, a, a great, a great opportunity for us. Yeah. So, so no, no brainer in terms of the brand recognition and, and understanding how big a, a operation, how well respected that operation is for you. That's not like just out of the blue that you knew about them. Um, in well, I knew, I knew Murray from ProSource. So he was mm. chairman of the board of, uh, at ProSource. And so we built a relationship through, uh, through that. And so we've just been friends over the years. And when they've needed help and, and direction in the CI side, you know, we'd have them over to our showroom and talk. And, and just the way that a lot of people uh, within, you know, ProSource and within the industry help each other out that, are, that aren't competitive. There's just a, uh, I don't know, for the most part, there's a friendly nature, I think, in this industry where we're willing to share, you know, information with other people and, and help, you know, raise the tide for all ships. And so, so that's that- how we got to know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with, you know, with the success of the online business and that, that direction of that, and with the changing tides of, of the retail business, most retail's businesses are shrinking. And so if they're not growing into the CI space, the business is not growing all there. There are a few, you know, uh, there, there are a few that are, you know, are not in that case. They're growing both parts of the business, but for the most part, retail, the retail landscape has changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, my birth mother passed away in April of this year. And so in, she lived over in Spokane. And so I was, you know, normally I was over there several times a year. Um, but obviously with the health challenges and everything leading up to it, I've been spending a lot more time over there. And so Murray and I spent a lot more time together and, and got to talking and it seemed to be a really good fit. And they have a fantastic culture of, you know, many people that have been there for, you know, 10 to 17 years. 
So very much like the culture at Y Appliance. And that's always been my concern with doing acquisitions is making sure that we don't screw up our culture and really focusing on that family feel. And because it's not an acquisition, you know, where I sit here in Bellevue, these are all here in Arizona and Spokane are all individual tight knit families. So it doesn't feel like, you know, they're part of a massive ship. It feels mm-hmm. like it's, it's small and agile and has that, you know, culture and feel that, that, that we work to build. So it was really a perfect fit for us. How big of an operation uh, were you before the acquisition and how big do you grow to after the acquisition? Um, so can't talk about revenue numbers as part of, as part of oh, our agreement in there. More, more of an employee number thing, I guess, is what I was looking at just to see um, how big you're. So basically there were 20 employees at Huppins in the retail and CI business. And okay. at the, the day before acquisition, we set it up to close the retail. So it would be by appointment CI like our other businesses are. Mm-hmm. And so that basically netted us down to 17 uh, awesome employees in that CI business. Okay. And, and, and how big were you, um, was, was your Y appliance, uh, company staff size wise? We're at 50, 51 now. So okay. yeah. Okay. So, so it's a nice, nice little growth, but not like you doubled in size or something crazy where you have to just bring in such a huge, uh, group, but, uh, are you, what, what, what are those first steps then in this, uh, in these early days after the acquisition, you pare down that that operation, that retail operation, and you said, but uh, uh, are you combining any kind of, uh, you know, accounting software, those types of really fun topics of conversation? (laughs) Are there any things that you just need to do from a structural standpoint? Um, Besides wanting to stab yourself with that kind of stuff, software integration (laughs) stuff is difficult. We're a large iPoint user, and we are the first company with an iPoint that has multi-location mirroring which we had developed for our Arizona locations. You're not duplicating all that product data entry. And so we already had that piece in place to basically, you know, put Spokane in the mix as well. Um, And so we've started that process. We've started the accounting process where um, they were already on QuickBooks and we use that as the piece that we integrate with, with all the other companies. So, um, but there's still, you have to set up all the new files and all the new chart accounts and all the employees and all the payroll. And so there's some benefits. There's some new HR software and things that we've done that we did as a result of, you know, growing, which benefits, you know, not just the Spokane employees, but all the employees. Hmm. Um, There's some other benefits that we've been able to add across the board. So it's, it's not just a win over there. It's a, it's a win overall. And, um, and then, you know, we're the existing businesses in an old Magnolia hi-fi location. So it's very retail-esque wall of TVs over the last couple of years or, or during, uh, uh, during this last couple of years, they remodeled the showroom to build out a Ketra space and a control four space. So part of it feels very CI and part of it feels very, very retail. So we're looking for new space, new home over there where we can have, you know, just a CI by appointment business. We don't need to be on a, a retail street on division, which is where they are now. Mm. So, and, and there's, you know, you get people that walk in that are, <clears throat> I'd never heard this term before, a fondler, but apparently that's someone who comes in and, and touches and checks out electronics or merchandise and then goes and buys them elsewhere. Mm. So, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure Best Buy gets that a lot with people that then turn around and buy stuff online or uh, other retailers have to deal with that. But I, I'd never learned the term until 
un- until this I had never heard that term. <laughs> I've heard of it kind of referred to as showrooming, I guess, where people just want to go see something and then they go buy it elsewhere. But uh, yeah, that that's uh, that's the downside of that that open not non appointment only approach, I guess. Yeah, there's a bunch of auto shops around there. So people will kind of come in where the car is being worked on, but they may not be serious buyers. This will allow the team over there to really focus on the target audience. Right, right. And uh, are you going to expand your name into that market or does the Huppin's name, is it too valuable just in terms of client base and uh, recognition over the years that that needs to stay or you blend the two together somehow? Uh, we're doing a branding transition, which is, you know, there, there's lots of firsts that happens. There's lots of stuff that you learn through this. In the past, when we had done it, an acquisition, we just changed the name day one. Hmm. And so because the Huppin's name is so well-respected, now as part of our agreement, we we only get to use it for a certain period of time because it's also a family's name. Hmm. And that, you know, that's been in Spokane and, and well-respected for years. I mean, the, the, the domain name we get to keep and all that is part of our assets. So we basically developed a strategy with uh, uh, Ron over at One Firefly, and we used another PR firm as well for some of the, the traditional media parts of it. And so we basically, right now it's Huppins, a white appliance company, and then it changes to white appliance, previously Huppins, and just in that market. So not across all of our locations, but just in that market. Right. And then it, and then it changes fully to, to white appliance. And that way it, it kind of transitions in. So that's been fun just because we haven't, we haven't done it like that before. So it just seems like the most professional, respectful way to transition the brand. And there's, there's some people, we made the front page of the paper over there and there were some locals that were, that I'm sure as you see from media, there's people that are out there that just look to complain or mm-hmm. be, be negative in general, you know, that's uh, uh, out there. But there were people that were still upset that Huppin stopped selling cameras two years before we acquired, <laughs> before we acquired the, the, the company so but it's your yeah. fault <laughs> yeah it's our it's our fault that and now it's you know you know yeah. there, there's some of that stuff you're going to go through i just don't want to make it sound like it's easy peasy lemon squeezy right it's it's you know there's there, there's some growing pains that you have with an acquisition as well that you have to transition and, and and you know people used to be able to walk in there and now they they just have to set an appointment it's not but but now we have more time to actually go out to people's homes and serve them where they're at as opposed to have them come into our store and sell them from there Right. Absolutely. So um, as we kind of wrap up our conversation, I, I want to talk broader industry trends. And uh, a lot of folks are excited about lighting technology installation. And I know that ProSource is, as a buying group is really into that as well. Ha- has that become part of your business, lighting as opposed to just lighting control and shades control? It has, absolutely. So I'm on the lighting and shading committee within ProSource, and it's been great to see that develop from day one. And that's, that's just ProSource has these groups within the group that, you know, volunteer their time to, to help us grow the, you know, the, the benefits for all the members. And so meeting with and bringing on board, you know, American and DMF and WAC and, and Colorbeam and, and all these lighting brands that we brought in there um, and, and begin to have direct relationships with them. Whereas through my electrical company, we used to have to go through supply houses. And so you could just couldn't have that direct relationship like we're used to having in the CI space. And, uh, and I definitely see that as our largest growth opportunity over the next decade. So I'm sure I, I know you're aware and you've probably been to it before the, the LTC down at Dallas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've sent a half a dozen people through that, you know, lighting training courses 
And, um, and it takes a while to get any new initiative going in any business, but that's, that's a major focus in all three businesses. And then that allows us to give the customer a complete end to end solution from button to bulb. And, uh, and, 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 you know, there's still, you know, you have the electricians who are fighting for that business and Mm -hmm. some contractors provide the lighting. And so, uh, as it says in Aladdin, it's a whole new world. (laughs) And what other, I guess, uh, this is a bit broader question, but, um, what other sort of trends are current, you know, carry over from what's existed in the industry. Do you see on a lot of your projects these days is, uh, I, I know that with, with COVID, a lot of, there were more people talking dedicated home theater again, after that had not been a thing. Um, are you still seeing more of the entertainment spaces, dedicated entertainment spaces in projects that you're doing? Is it still um, multi-room audio that's driving things? Shades, obviously big in your MDU projects, but what, what are you seeing as common threads in projects these days? I mean, you know, from a passion standpoint, I still love audio as much as I did my first time in car audio. And so, you know, and there's a number of us that are enthusiasts and very, very passionate about that. I mean, on a rare occasion, but usually you're not going to sell audio in every room. So if we're looking at it, not from a passion standpoint, but a business standpoint, but there are lights and windows in every single room. So if you kind of look at, at what those opportunities are and you look at it from a dollars and cents, um, but, but we're still very passionate about the audio video piece. And then you have things like security and surveillance. And so you, you just like, you know, what Sonos did when they were kind of CI focused and now they're more, you know, retail and direct focused with, um, you know, more IOT direct type products. Some of those business models are getting cannibalized. And so as a business that wants to grow and succeed in this marketplace, you have to kind of find where those new opportunities are for, for growth for the business. And uh, you're, you mentioned when we, before we started recording that you are headed to CDA Expo at the end of September. Um, is that for you as a veteran, uh, more of a, a family reunion type of experience, or do you go there <laughs> looking for uh, specific technology developments, products that you haven't had a chance to get your hands on yet? That type of thing. We, we, I mean, it, it does end up being a family reunion and we will have people there from all three locations. So that's going to be very exciting. Um, so it's a chance to, to spend time with our team and do that. And not all of our team gets to see and touch all these products and talk to their engineers and people and kind of see behind the curtain as much as I might get to at some of the other events. So it's a chance for our team to get out and do that. Um, and it's also, I mean, we're obviously going to set meetings with all of our prime vendors but it is a chance to see, you know, what's new that we haven't seen. Like where, where are growth opportunities that we're not looking at? Who are other vendors that, that might make a difference or solve a customer's problem? And so that's, uh, I mean, it's a lot of ground to cover in, you know, in a few days. And usually you end up, you know, being booked kind of on the hour, every hour. So it ends up being, I'm sure for you, it's super busy event as well. Cause you have to, you know, you, you have to, see and show everyone's latest products. It's a lot of ground for you to cover as well. Yes. Thanks. Thanks for making me the center of the story. I, I, <laughs> I definitely have uh, a lot to see when I'm at a CDA. Um, there's uh, every company would like to talk to a media person. And so I'm not going to make it about me, but it's uh, th- there, there are 15 minute meetings on the quarter hour, you know, so we're <laughs> going Yeah, I was going to guess you had to do them in 10 minutes things, but it's, you know, to, to follow you around and get to see all the stuff. Cause you're, 
I'm assuming your focus is what's new. Yeah. And that's, and that's what we want to see as well. So the nice thing is that we can come back and we can see and hear about a bunch of that stuff from you. Because uh-huh. I'll see, you, you'll write about stuff that, that mm-hmm. I was at the same show you were at, but I didn't see some of the stuff that you saw. So I look forward to seeing that stuff after the, after the show. Great. Great. Well, put the pressure on me. So I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll try to live up to it. And, and final, final question. I, I thought I was going to end on Cedia, but then I, I, I thought of something that uh, I, I feel like really would get it a even better handle on who you are. Um, finding time to de- decompress and uh, check out from the daily grind is a challenge for, for everybody. And now that you have just added more employees, I'm sure it's even harder. What do you do to, to manage the work-life balance? Um, what, what do you do for fun outside of the, the work environment? That, that is a great question. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not afraid of warm weather beach trips, especially when it cools off. There's something about, there's something about being away from everything, whether it's a cabin or it's out. I did some, some boating earlier this week. And so just being out on the water away from office or home, you know, it is when you're at home, you're thinking about all the things you could or should be getting done, whether they're work things or home things. So it's to me, just being away from that is a nice way to, to unplug. I find the water very relaxing and soothing. And I know there isn't a lot of it in Arizona, but there are pools. So there's just some, I mean, to use an electrical term, there's something about being disconnected from the ground, whether that's I even, and I fly a lot, but even when I'm in the air, there's just something about, you know, there's limited things I can do and control from up there. So it, it's a chance for me to look out the window, daydream a little bit. And but yeah, I would say vacations, time with my kids, uh, time with my dogs, travel, being out on the water. That's, uh, you know, and, and great times with friends. There's a lot of, there's so many friendships that I appreciate and value in this industry. And we, just this morning, there were a bunch of us texting each other back and forth about questions we have about staff or, mm. you know, payroll or how we handle things. So, and there's, you know, massive dealers in there and there's, you know, small dealers in there and that just a great, there's a great camaraderie in this industry. That there is for sure. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot they can learn from you and especially after this acquisition and everyone looks forward to getting together in person and chatting at uh, Cedia at the end of September. But yeah, I really appreciate your time today. Great getting to know you better. Absolutely. Great to spend time together. Lee Travis is owner of Yplients, a custom integration company based in Bellevue, Washington. You can learn more about his company at yplients.com. And that wraps up today's show. If you're new to Residential Tech Talks, please subscribe to the weekly podcast on your preferred platform and consider rating or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Also, check out all the latest residential tech news at the magazine's website, restechtoday.com, where you can also subscribe to the print or digital magazine and to our Tuesday and Friday email newsletters. Until next time, please stay safe, stay inspired, and let us know if you have a great story to tell. Residential Home automation device. 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 Home automation device.